Good morning. Well, it doesn't matter where we find ourselves. You could be going for a walk or driving in your car, shopping in the store, and wherever you are, you're at home maybe watching the game or scrolling on your phone in the evening, we cannot seem to escape advertisements. And these advertisements are designed by marketers to appeal to us as human beings. Uh, These advertisements are telling us the ways that we can make our lives more simple, the ways that we can take something that is complex and make it easy for us to navigate. It tells us the ways that we might be able to approach a difficult situation with ease or ways to manage our finances in such a way that we will be free of anxiety. And we hear all of these messages constantly. It doesn't really matter where we are. And all of them, I believe, are appealing to something deep inside of us as human beings. This longing to rest. This longing to be able to just put our feet up and go, ah. Just think about some of the ads you've seen even in this past week. I think about ads for gambling, right? Like, man, what would you do if you won the lottery? And they put up all these pictures of people resting, pictures of people enjoying vacation and driving through the mountains in vintage vehicles. Or advertisements, one I've been seeing a lot are like, you know, coffee's on its way out apparently. So there's all these like different types of drinks you can have. It's like, have energy like you've never had before so that you can complete and do all the things you need to do so that you can rest, right? Yeah. And uh, my wife and I fell victim to that one. I forget what it's called, but we just ordered this, like, thing that's supposed to give us more energy. As young parents, I'm not sure that that's possible, but uh, we're going to go for it anyway. But all of these types of things, all this messaging is inviting us to rest. And it's appealing to something deep inside of us that I'm sure you feel from time to time, if not from day to day. This desire to rest. This desire to just feel a sense of peace within yourself. This desire to exhale, knowing that all the work is done and nothing more is required. But do we need to buy what all these marketers are selling? Do we need to accumulate all of these products in order to experience rest? You know what's interesting is when I read the scriptures and I look at the person of Jesus... This desire that you have for rest, this longing that you have to just kind of go, ah, be at peace, Jesus wants that for you as well. As much as you want rest in your life and for yourself, Jesus wants that for you too. We're in a series called The Way, and um, we're working under this idea that that we believe God has created us, each and every one of us, and that he knows, because he's our creator, he knows how we're to get the most out of life, how we are to flourish in life. And Jesus invites us to follow him into that flourishing. And so we rightly ask the question, okay, if Jesus has invited me into this flourishing and he's invited me into a particular way of life, what is that way of life? And so we've been looking at the Ten Commandments in this series to unpack some of the ways that God has invited us to live, that he has called us to walk. And this morning, we are turning to the fourth commandment, the commandment around Sabbath. And I believe that it teaches to us that the way of Jesus is a way of rest. That as we live our lives with God, as we enter into the flourishing that Jesus has for us, 
That it is a, a way in which we will experience rest. Friends, we don't need to buy the things that marketers are trying to sell us for us to experience rest. But there is a rest available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And God has given us a gift in the form of a commandment, this invitation to rest. So I want to walk through this commandment this morning and um, just make a few observations. There's a lot here in the text, but as we do, I just hope that you'll hear the invitation from Jesus for you to come to him and find rest. The command here is for us to remember the Sabbath day. And this word Sabbath uh, simply means to stop, to cease, to rest, to experience complete rest. And this word Sabbath is attached to a day. Remember the Sabbath day, the day of rest, the day of stopping, the day where you put up your feet in a sense. And this fourth commandment begins with God calling the people uh, to remember this day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That is their commandment. And so we begin by looking at the command, remember it, and ask the question, well, how do I, how do I remember it? And we are to remember the Sabbath by keeping the Sabbath holy. And the text goes to give us a couple of ways that we do that. How do we keep the Sabbath holy? Well, the first is to recognize that this day is a day given to the Lord. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So it's a day that is set apart from the other six that is meant to be given back to God. It is a day that when we enter into this day given to the Lord, it means that we are to be mindful of how that day is to be spent and to recognize that it is a day for God, not necessarily just a me day, not a day where we just check out and and go off for some personal R&R, but it is a day where we think intentionally about, okay, how is this day for God? We uniquely turn our attention towards the Lord and we fill the time appropriately Back in 2009, my wife and I were, had the privilege of being in Israel. And during our time there, we got to experience a proper Israeli Jewish Sabbath. And um, it's what's so cool there is, is that they really understand that Sabbath starts on the night before the day. And so it runs from evening to evening. And so on a Friday, there's a lot of hustle and bustle in Israel because people are preparing for the Sabbath. And the Sabbath begins with this amazing celebration. We eat a great meal, we sing songs, and we just spend time in community welcoming the Sabbath. And together, in the context of community, they they welcomed this Sabbath in. And it was this way that they didn't just look at it and say, okay, tomorrow's a day off. But it was this recognition that tomorrow is a day off to the Lord. So the day began in worship. The day began in turning their attention to God. So that is one of the ways that they are to remember the Sabbath, is by recognizing it is a day set apart for the Lord. The second way that they are to remember the Sabbath um, is to stop working. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your male or your female servant or your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. So this remembering of the Sabbath is marked first by recognizing it's the Lord, second by not 
working. They were not to work. Six days were meant for work. One day was meant for rest. And the rest was for the entire community. Here in the Sabbath command, we see that work is not meant to go on all the time. Work is meant to be let go of and let go of regularly. So the Israelites are commanded to keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, by giving it back to the Lord and by stopping their work. Now, if this wasn't enough, the text goes on to explain to us why we should keep the Sabbath. Now, this is really interesting because when we look at the Ten Commandments, we have all these instructions, but you'll notice which one of these commandments takes up the most space. It's the Sabbath command, right? Like, God goes on and on during the Ten Commandments to tell the people about Sabbath. And what's neat about this commandment is not only does he give them the command, but he tells them why they should keep the commandment. And I'm, I'm going to go beyond the, our text here in, in Exodus, and I want to identify for us four reasons why we should keep the Sabbath. Now, I think it's interesting, too, to note that um, the why behind Sabbath, I think, is so important because it's probably the commandment that the mo- most of us want to just ignore or that most of us just want to be like, eh, I don't need to keep that one, right? Because it's kind of weird when you look at the Ten Commandments. If I said, hey, guys, you know, don't worship other gods, you're like, yes, that's good. Okay, guys, uh, I, don't murder anybody. We cool? Yes, got it. Okay, guys, don't commit adultery. Okay, got it. Don't steal. Yeah, okay, got it. Okay, guys, everyone has to take a day off a week. It's like, what? Like, how do these, one of these things is not like the others, right? When it comes to the Sabbath commandment. But it's right there. And in the same way that God's commanding the people not to murder, he's commanding them to rest. That's really interesting, isn't it? But something about our culture, in this cultural moment, we are so driven as people. We are all about doing. We are all about accomplishing. We want to move forward. We want greater success for ourselves and our family. We want greater security. So we work, we work, we work, we work, we work. And God is saying, hey guys, it's not how I made you. Following Jesus is a way of rest. So the invitation is to come and stop, to rest, to cease. So I think that the why behind Sabbath is so important for us because we like to ignore this commandment. So why do we keep Sabbath? Let's look at four reasons. The first is right here in Exodus chapter 20. The reason given is to be like God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, And he made it holy. Interesting. Why are we to take the Sabbath? Well, according to Exodus chapter 20, we are to keep the Sabbath because God kept the Sabbath. And we need to be like God. We need to be imitators of God. This text takes us back to Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2, we have the, the final day of creation. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing So on the seventh day, he rested, and in the Hebrew, that's the same word, Sabbath. He Sabbathed from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating all that he has done. Do you guys see the picture here? You know, something that our Bibles fail us is that they put a chapter break between day six and day seven in, in, in the book of Genesis. 
And it throws us off because it makes us think that the pinnacle or the climax of creation is us, right? God creates us. It's quite egocentric for us to think that that is the climax of creation. But creation actually builds one more day into the seventh day. And in the seventh day, we have the climax of creation, which is the rest of God. Um, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who is a Jewish philosopher, scholar, theologian, has written this book, The Sabbath. Um, It's a very good read. It's quite short, as you can see. Um, But he has this amazing line in here where he says, On the seventh day, God created tranquility, peace, serenity, and repose. I just love that. Abraham Joshua Heschel invites us to see that on the seventh day, God sits back and he delights in his work. He delights in all that he has created. He celebrates what he has created. In creation, we get God's rhythm. Work six days, rest one day. Work six days, rest one day. Work six days, rest one day. And he invites us to join in that pattern. And that's very different than our culture. One pastor says that the the pattern of our culture is hustle, 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 crash. (laughs) Hustle, 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 crash. (laughs) Hustle, 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 crash. I have done that rhythm many times. Hustle, 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 crash. We're just working for the weekend. If we can just get through this next deadline. If I can just get enough stuff together. And we come to that place of rest and we're so burned out. And we're so tired. Our rest is more like crashing. We don't taste the Sabbath and the the restoration and the delight that God has for us. Another issue I have in our culture, this refrain of like, man, I just wish there was one more hour in a day, one more day in a week, right? Then I'll be able to rest. But friends, when we wish for more days in a week, we criticize God's creation. We look at what he created and we say it's actually not enough. But God's example to us is appropriate rhythms of rest and work, and we have to model this. Another extension of being like God in the fulfillment of the Sabbath command that is important for us to note um, is that when God calls for the people um, to, to rest, he's also calling them to let everyone else rest, which is pretty cool. And I think for us who are privileged to enter into a six-in-one rhythm with ease, we see the invitation to be like God And that we too are people who extend rest to others. So when we think about the Sabbath commandment, not only do we think about our own rest, but we think about the rest of the community. And I'm going to talk a bit about that more later, but how do we invite them as well into rest? So the first reason why we remember the Sabbath is to be like God. The second is that we are to remember that we are free. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, of course, we all know that that is the second telling of the Ten Commandments. Moses is up and he re-delivers the Ten Commandments to us. But if we went to Deuteronomy 5, you'll notice that the Ten Commandments are basically verbatim to Exodus 20 with one exception. Where's the exception? The Sabbath commandment. And within the Sabbath commandment, where's the exception? It's in the reason why they are to Sabbath. So in Exodus 20, the reason why you Sabbath is to be like God. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the reason why you Sabbath is to remember you're free. And Deuteronomy 5.15 says, Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. 
And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Why should I observe the Sabbath? Because you're free. You're not slaves anymore. God has liberated you. And when you work in the hustle, 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 crash rhythm, you are demonstrating to yourself and the world that you're enslaved to your work. Sabbath is meant to be a celebration of our deliverance and our freedom. We're to celebrate on the Sabbath the reality that that Jesus Christ has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We are to celebrate on the Sabbath day that, that our Father in heaven knows what we need and that he's gone before us and prepared for us what we need. We celebrate on the Sabbath day that, that God is greater and more mighty than we could ever be and that his provision far extends what we think we need. We celebrate on the Sabbath day that we have a rest available for us in the person of Jesus Christ that will far surpass any marketing campaign or product out there that's trying to offer us a counterfeit version of rest. But one of the reasons we will resist the Sabbath is that many of us have an inner pharaoh. Much like Egypt worked under the constraints of a pharaoh who was telling them, keep working, keep producing, keep doing more and more and more, so too we have these voices in our own minds from our culture telling us, you need to keep doing in order to be accepted. You need to keep doing and producing in order to prove to the world around you that you're worth something. You need to keep producing. You need to keep doing. You need to do more and more and more and more and more. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Crash. It's this inner pharaoh. It's when we live by our work thinking, I just need to get through the next deadline. It's, it's when we, we look at our family and things and feel like, man, I just need to get all of this ordered in just the right way so that I can feel okay about myself and that other people won't judge me. It's managing our image in such a way that we can impress those around us and we do it at the expense of our rest. We trade rest for anxiety. And we burn out when we follow this voice of the inner Pharaoh. I think there's a reality that some of us will not practice the Sabbath simply because the demands of other idols are too great. If you can't practice the Sabbath, if this idea of a six-in-one rhythm just feels too far out there for you, you need to ask yourself, why? 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 Where's the inner Pharaoh? What am I living my life for rather than for the rest that Jesus has for me? And here's the third reason I think we need to practice Sabbath is that this rest that Jesus has for you, it's a gift. Sabbath is a gift. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was being questioned about the Sabbath as he often was. Uh, He did not keep the Sabbath in the way that the culture around him thought that he should. In the intertestamental period, which is the the historic period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, a lot of rules were developed around Sabbath. And the Pharisees saw the, the strict adherence to the Sabbath as a way that they could move Israel into greater righteousness to gain God's approval that he would send the Messiah. And Jesus was there to correct their thinking. But he corrected their thinking a lot around the issue of Sabbath. And he has this 
climactic phrase in Mark chapter 2. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. It's a gift. God made this rhythm of six and one for you as a gift. To help you be more like him. To help you remember that you are free. Jesus comes and he corrects our thinking around the Sabbath. That we are not to work as laborers unto the Sabbath itself. But rather we come to the Sabbath and we receive from it the gift of rest that Jesus has for us. So Sabbath is a gift. And the fourth reason I think that we need to practice Sabbath is that it helps us to experience the deepest rest that's found in Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, when we speak on Sabbath, especially in the context of um, the context of the Ten Commandments, the question does rise. Okay, so do I have to keep a 24-hour Sabbath? Is this like morally binding? Like, will I stand before God in judgment and God be like, you didn't keep Sabbath, right? Like, is that what God's going to bring up, right? And that's a really good question. And Within theology, there's varying views on this issue. I'm going to share it with you mine, and mine differs from others, and I'm sure in this room we'd have different opinions on this. But I, at this, my understanding of what Scripture teaches on Sabbath is that Sabbath is not, um, is not morally binding in the same way that do not murder or do not commit adultery is. Sabbath is not a means to salvation. The fullness of Sabbath is found in Jesus not in a day. And the practice of Sabbath points to Jesus as what Paul is saying here in Colossians chapter 2. And so whether or not you keep a 24-hour Sabbath, my argument would be is that you are the one missing out. (laughs) Jesus' invitation for us to experience rest um, is, is this echo of the commandment to Sabbath and is an echo of God's demonstration of the six in one rhythm. Where Jesus is the full picture of rest. And Jesus' invitation is for us to come to him and experience rest. The becoming like God and the remembering that we are free and the deliverance that we have in Christ. Those purposes of Sabbath are fully experienced in the person of Jesus. And we can experience that as much on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday as we can on the seventh day. Whenever it is that we were to keep Sabbath. And so what Paul is saying, he's like, hey, don't condemn one another on the way that they do or do not practice Sabbath. Don't go after one another because one is saying that Sunday is Sabbath and the other is saying Saturday is Sabbath. Paul's saying, stop it. That's not the point. Sabbath points us to the person of Jesus. The practice of Sabbath was a shadow of the full rest that was coming to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So Paul did not abolish the concept of Sabbath, but rather stated that people should not be condemned for failing to observe it in a specific way. However, and here's my pastoral note to us, I believe that we need Sabbath in this day and age, in this season, more than ever. We are a burned out culture. 
We are a culture where people are just swimming in anxiety. Many of us cannot imagine stopping or resting. Many of us are fearful even of being alone. We live so much in the hurry, 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 hustle, 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 crash rhythm that when we finally have time to rest, we fill that time with binge-watching, overeating, and overdrinking, and we call it rest. And that is not the rest that Jesus has for you. We live our lives in such a panic that we're running for a vacation and we finally get there, we're laying on a beach and we think, this is it, this is the glory. Friends, it's only a counterfeit. Our culture is so fixed on selling us a fake version of rest that we've lost what can be found in the person of Jesus. And I believe that the practice of Sabbath helps us re-engage in the rest that Jesus has for us. And teaches us to find true rest and true abundance in the person of Jesus. And not waste our time running to all sorts of counterfeits. So we practice Sabbath as a practical way to experience this rest in Jesus. At TCC, uh, we want to grow in engaging with practices that help us follow Jesus. Um, We've talked a lot this fall about the importance that we have on on practices and rhythms. We believe that Jesus lived his life in a certain way, and we want to live our lives in the same way that Jesus did so that we can become more like him. Do you agree with that logical flow of thought? (laughs) I think we do. We're nodding along. Good. Jesus practiced Sabbath. Um, When we look at his life, there's zero evidence in Scripture that he did not practice Sabbath, that he did not have that rhythm. And so we rightly say, well, I want to be like Jesus. I'm going to practice the Sabbath too. So as a church at TCC, we invite you to consider practicing a 24-hour period of time each week of Sabbath. To stop, to rest, to delight, to worship in all that Jesus has for us. Friends, it is a gift. Why do we practice it? Again, to be more like Jesus, more like God. We practice it to remind ourselves that we are free, that we don't have to live under the demands of some sort of internal pharaoh or the culture. We practice Sabbath because it is a gift from Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I love a good gift. And Jesus has invited me to experience that gift every single week. And we practice Sabbath to experience the deepest rest found in Jesus. That is my biblical argument to us today, and it lands on this thesis statement that the Sabbath has been given as a commandment and a gift to usher us into our identity and joy found in our relationship with God and to safeguard us from dehumanizing ourselves and others. Hear all of that in the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Stop with the hustle. Enter into the six and one gift that the Father has given to us. Friends, I want to receive this gift. Myself and some of the staff at TCC have been um, working on implementing this practice into our lives more intentionally. And frankly, it's really hard. (laughs) It really is. Um, And if you're looking for resources, if you like a good book, um, John Mark Comer has written The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, It is a fantastic book. 
Uh, the premise of this book was a conversation that he had with John Ortberg, who is quoting Dallas Willard, where he asked the question of, um, you know, what is the greatest hindrance to me becoming more like, more like Jesus? And the answer was simply, hurry. He said, if you want to become more like Jesus, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John Mark goes on to give us the practice of Sabbath as a way that we can do that well. Now, as I talk about all of this, you are no doubt asking this very obvious question. What does Sabbath look like? I have young kids. You know, I'm a business guy. I got lots going on in my life. How on earth am I to actually block off 24 hours a day? Um, It's challenging. One of the reasons Sabbath is so challenging is because it's asking for 24 hours. Um, So I just want to spend the rest of the time speaking a little bit to this. Um, Because I have found it hard. Because it's a difficult practice. Um, But what does it it look like? Very simply, Sabbath is a 24-hour period set apart for rest and worship. And I want to give us two words um, to... No, I'm just going to give us one word. I'm going to give you one word to start with here. What does Sabbath look like? The first is anticipation. You have to anticipate the Sabbath. You have to plan for the Sabbath. Which, in this season, I think starts where you're at. Any practice that we invite you into, my invitation is for you to begin by being honest with Jesus about the invitation to the practice, okay? So if Jesus is saying, hey, I want to invite you to Sabbath, you might come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I think Sabbath is a horrible idea. That's a great place to start if that's where you're at. And I encourage you to do that. And maybe you're in a season of life where 24 hours seems like this impossible thing. But what does three hours one evening look like? And then maybe you add three more hours on the next day and three more hours after that and let it build to a 24-hour period. Um, Don't resist the Sabbath simply because 24 is too much. Start where you're at. And it starts with us being intentional. You got to look at your calendar. You got to ask, okay, in this week, where am I going to be able to, to, what do I need to do this week in order for me to enter into the rest of the seventh day? You know, when we look at our calendars and we see, okay, I got six days of work, those six days should anticipate the seventh, which means that on day six, you might be running around a little more frantic than you normally do because there's preparations to be done so that you don't have to work on the seventh. And that's okay. Um, Abraham Joshua Heschel, again, he says that when we keep the seventh day, it changes how we engage in the other six. I think the other thing for us to do in this being, um, anticipating the Sabbath is, is to acknowledge our season of life. For those of you with young families, Sabbath is difficult. Uh, my wife and I have three kids. Our oldest is five in a few months. And so Sabbath is challenging. Um, when we enter into Sabbath, we think about intentional family time. We think about how we can help our kids have rhythms of rest that they too aren't swept up in this culture of, of drive and hurry, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, but we need to be intentional about that. And for those of you who are retired, how might you ramp up the other six days um, to anticipate the seventh? You know, I think a big part of the Sabbath practice is, again, recognizing our opportunity to be like God in helping to free other people who are living under oppression and slavery who can't maybe themselves rest. So if you're retired and you have nothing but time on your hands, I do not believe for a second that God is done with your vocation. 
Maybe you've retired from one career into this, you know, extended time of rest or whatever, but God's not done with you. God still has something for you. And for those of you who are retired, how do you live out your vocation in retirement? And part of that vocation might be saying, okay, how can I help free up other people so that they too can Sabbath? How can I maybe bring relief to that single parent in the congregation who the thought of Sabbath just seems impossible, but you could provide a couple hours of childcare? How do I come alongside those in our congregation who are struggling, who can't experience rest? How can I help alleviate their burdens so that they too can rest? Sabbath has always been a community practice. One of the risks of engaging with Sabbath in the 21st century is to make it super individualistic. We need to resist that. So we need to anticipate the Sabbath, plan for the Sabbath, and then we need to be intentional about the way we engage with it. Um, Our church is indebted to um, the the work of practicing the way ministries that John Mark Homer um, has started, and they anchor the Sabbath practice around four words that I'm going to run through very quickly because I'm out of time already. Um, And uh, these words come from the semantic range of the word Sabbath in the Hebrew, and I think it's just such a great tool for us. So as we plan a Sabbath day, what does that look like? The first word is to stop. We need to stop. Mark Buchanan has written a book on Sabbath, and he says, um, he says Sabbath is ceasing from the necessary. So identifying in our lives, what are the things that we deem necessary? I have to do this. I have to do that. Sabbath begins by us stopping. From those things. We lay down our tools and we stop. I think it's also important, I encourage you for practicing Sabbath, it's way easier to begin at supper time and then end at supper time the next day. Uh, that's been a gift to our family for a lot of reasons. And so we try to start with a Sabbath meal. And the Sabbath meal is a time where we stop. We light a candle that we keep lit for the 24 hours as just a reminder that this is different time, holy time set apart to the Lord. Um, And we stop. We try not to work. Um, And I think in our culture too, next level Sabbathing, you want to hear this? Shut off your phone. Can you do that? John Mark Comer shuts off his phone. He puts it in a box. He puts the box in a closet. Um, Our phones are not good for us. We all know that. I don't need to provide any statistics. The way we interact with the news and all these things, it just creates anxiety in us. It's not good. Can it be used for good? Absolutely. I keep pointing my phones right here. I'm using it right now. I'm not scrolling Facebook, but, um, but we need to stop. And what's interesting about that invitation to turn your phone off, that might cause anxiety in you. Inner Pharaoh, okay? <laughs> if, it, if turning your phone off causes anxiety, you need to question your relationship with your phone. So Sabbath begins with stopping. The second word is resting. Rest. If you're starting your Sabbath on the evening, maybe you go to bed early. You know, you know maybe, maybe you take a nap on the Sabbath day. You go for a walk. You, you play games. You relax. Um, Abraham Joshua Heschel, again, has this great line that Sabbath is an opportunity to mend our tattered lives. I love that. It's this permission that now you have to rest. One pastor talking about Sabbath, he talks about snow days in Vancouver. He's like, I love snow days because they gave me permission to rest. Sorry, you can't come into work today. Oh, shucks, right? 
And it felt like this free day, this gift. God has that for you every week. Permission to lay down your tools and to rest and be more fully human than you are the other six days of the week. So we rest. The next word is delight. What makes you laugh? What makes you have fun? For the grandparents in the room, maybe this is a day where you make sure you visit your grandkids and you let your kids Sabbath by taking the kids for a couple hours. Okay, that's a selfish request, but, um, but that's a great idea. You have fun, the kids have fun, the parents have fun. It's great. And we, we delight. In this season of life for me, it's playing Legos on the floor with my kids. I got like three Star Wars ships going right now, and I just, I love it. And my kids are getting into Lego, building these Legos, and it's just rest. Go for a walk. We went down to the river valley. You know, if you put bird seed on your hands and hold your hand out, birds will come. It's amazing. These moments of delight. You take in God's good creation You take in a good meal and good drinks with your friends and your family. You laugh together. You celebrate together. And then the fourth word is worship. How does your Sabbath day involve practices where you're intentionally turning your attention to Jesus and saying thank you, celebrating his goodness in your life, worshiping him for who he is, and receiving the gift of life that he has for you? I've heard of people with, um, with this practice, this word that, um, you know, all week in their, their time with the Lord and the word, they're using their reading plans, they have their prayer lists. And they talk about, you know, on Sabbath, I set aside my reading plan. I set aside my prayer list and I take extended time with Jesus and I maybe focus on just one verse and I just pray what comes to mind and enter into conversation with Jesus and just worship him. I love that. So these are the invitations How do you practice Sabbath? You stop, you rest, delight, and worship. Friends, Jesus is inviting you to rest. And you don't need to purchase anything to receive the gift of Sabbath. You don't have to travel to Mexico to receive the gift of Sabbath. It's just available to you in a six-to-one rhythm to come and rest to taste the rest that he has for you. He's invited you to experience it in so many ways, but one of those ways is Sabbath. Abraham Joshua Heschel says that the Spirit stands on Sabbath and pleads, accept all excellence from me. Will you do that? Accept all excellence from Jesus as you engage in the practice of Sabbath. I just want to invite you to close your eyes and hear this invitation of Jesus. The worship team can join me on the platform. I just want to pray over us and let this passage just rest in our minds and in our hearts. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you wearied and burdened this morning? Hear Jesus' invitation to come to him. And he goes on, Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father God, we pray that you would help us to receive the gift of rest as we engage in the practice of Sabbath. And Lord, it's not lost to me that you had to command your people to do this. And Jesus, as we reflect on the Sabbath commandments in the context of the Ten Commandments, help us to hear the invitation. Help us to hear the seriousness surrounding this commandment. That we were not made for a rhythm of, of hustle, hustle, hurry, hurry, hustle, hustle, crash. But that you have invited us to rest. A six-in-one rhythm of work and rest. Help us to receive that from you. Help us to find in you, Lord Jesus, that you are enough. That what you have for us is good. Help us to follow in your way, the way of rest, we pray. Amen.